10 more minutes. <laughs> so glad you are here today. Great being in church together. Man, did you see that group of youth going off to their youth service this morning? They are awesome. We have such an amazing group of junior high and high school students. We love them. They are the future. They are so awesome. Well, we're just so glad that all of you are here today. It's really good being in church together this morning with church family. So glad you're here. And if this is your first time here at the bridge, we just especially want to welcome you. We're so glad you're here. And don't worry, we're not going to do anything to embarrass you, so it's okay. Take a deep breath. We just want to welcome you. We're really glad you're here. And we'd love to meet you and answer any questions you might have about the church. So we just encourage you, before you leave today, stop by the Connection Center out in the foyer. And uh, we'd love to answer any questions or just fill you in on everything happening here at the bridge. And you can also get more information on our website, thebridgechurch.tv. But we're just so glad you're here. Can we, those of us who call the bridge home, can we give our guests a great warm welcome this morning? Well, you might be wondering, did Pastor Gary get stuck in India or Nepal? No, he is here, and he had a great, great trip. And, um, oh... I see that we have uh, our little guest with us. That he, Actually, you were going to hear from him at the end of service, but he's going to come right now because we have a very special little introduction to make to you this morning. Our newest grandson. This is Maverick James Martin. <laughs> He doesn't like the bright lights. He's like me. <laughs> we just wanted you to meet Maverick because he lives in Seattle and he's three weeks old and he came down to visit us this weekend. He and his mommy. Yeah. So give Maverick and his brother. Yeah, and his brother's here in the kids area. <laughs> his brother Wyatt is a year and a half old and he's over there terrorizing children's church, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting us share our family with you. <laughs> but you'll be hearing more at the end of service about Pastor Gary's trip to India and Nepal. He'll be sharing a bit with you. He had a great, great trip there. And this morning, I am excited because I get to bring the next message in our series, Believing Beyond. And I don't know about you, but I have absolutely been loving this series. And our faith has been so encouraged, hasn't it? Our faith has been strengthened. Our faith has been stretched. 
It's been awesome. And we're going to continue talking about faith today. And if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. If you'd like to, we're going to read from there in just a moment. But, you know, I just want to tell you this morning, it is the cry of my heart, the prayer of my heart, that we would all be people who would continually grow in faith, continually see our faith expanding, continually reaching for more, not just when we're in a series on Sunday mornings talking about faith, but next month and next year and five years down the road and 10 years down the road and throughout all the days of our lives, that we would be people that would continually grow in faith, that we'd continually be believing God beyond the moment that we are at, that we would see what he sees ahead for us, that we would believe for all that he has to be accomplished in our lives and to be done in and through us. I want to see all of us as people who have faith for the long haul. Do you want to have faith for the long haul? Yes, good. All right, well, that's what we are going to talk about today, having faith for the long haul. And you know, that is the advice and the encouragement that the Apostle Paul gave to Timothy. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But let's just pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your presence here today. You are here with us. And Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is life. And God, we just ask that you would speak to each and every one of us this morning, every person sitting here, every person watching online, God, that you'd speak to us through your word and by your spirit what we need to hear from you today. Give us hearts to hear and receive what you're saying so that we can apply it to our lives and walk out a life of faith in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Well, let's look at the advice that the Apostle Paul gave to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 19. He says, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. When I read this, I feel like the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, cling to your faith, have faith for the long haul. Don't be like others who have allowed their faith to become shipwrecked. I love this verse and that he's encouraging Timothy to have faith for the long haul. But you know, it's the second part of this verse that really catches my attention. I read that and I think, wait a minute. Wow, we have the ability to shipwreck our faith? Did you know that you and I, we all have the ability to shipwreck our faith? And if we have the ability to do that, then I know that the enemy will make sure we have every opportunity to do that because he would like nothing more than for us to draw back from living a life of faith. But the good news is that the Bible gives us wisdom and principles that we're going to talk about today to help us safeguard our faith and help, us pre pre help prevent us from allowing our faith to become shipwrecked. But I just think that maybe there's someone here today, and maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, 
that's me. I'm already there. Maybe you feel like your faith has been shipwrecked. Maybe you're feeling weak in your faith. Maybe you feel like you've drawn back and shrunk in your faith. I want to tell you today that God sees you. And I believe that he ordained for you to be here today. He knows right where you are at. And he's here to meet you right where you are. And he wants you to know that he is not mad at you. And he loves you completely. He loves you so much that he's not willing to see you stay in that place of shipwreck. But today he is extending his hand to you, saying, come, come with me. Let's move from that place. Let's move forward into a place of greater faith. You know, these principles that we're going to talk about today, they'll help all of us safeguard our faith for the future. But if that's you and you're finding yourself in that place of shipwreck today, these same principles will help you move from that place into a place of greater faith. But before we talk about those principles, I want us to notice one additional thing about Paul's advice to Timothy that we just read. That verse said that by violating their conscience, they shipwrecked their faith. You know, God gives each of us a conscience. And in the original writings, that word conscience, it means that which distinguishes right from wrong. He gives us a conscience to help us stay on track with him. And when we often think about someone who's violated their conscience, we usually think of someone falling into major sin. But I want us to think about it again today and realize that in Romans 14, 23, it says, whatever is not of faith is sin. Wow. So that means when we're believing things contrary to the word, when we're believing things contrary to faith, when we're walking down roads where we're not taking the steps of faith God has asked us to take, we're violating our conscience as believers. And we're setting ourselves up to shipwreck our faith. We need to realize that other people cannot shipwreck our faith. Circumstances, no matter how difficult, cannot shipwreck our faith. We are the only ones who can shipwreck our faith. And you know, we will all face difficult things. In life, difficult things happen, challenges, even tragedies. But how we respond to them is up to us. Will we move away from faith? Or will we choose to draw closer to God and have faith for the long haul? The Apostle Paul, this very person who wrote this advice to Timothy, you know, he was speaking from personal experience. He had every opportunity to allow his faith to become shipwrecked. But instead, he chose to hold fast to his faith continually throughout his life, even in the midst of great, great difficulty. 
So today, we're going to learn some principles from his life. And we're going to learn from his example that will not only help prevent us from becoming shipwrecked in our faith, but they will help you move forward if you find yourself in that place today. These are four principles to help us have faith for the long haul. And the first one that we're going to learn from his life is let the Holy Spirit lead us. I want us to look at a couple of verses together this morning, starting in Acts chapter 13. Let's look at verse 4. It says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they, referring to Paul and Barnabas, went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They were sent out by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led and guided them, directed them on where to go. But now let's look at another opportunity where the Holy Spirit gave them a little different direction. In Acts 16, verse 6, it says, Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Huh. And then look at what it says in verse 7. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. You see, the Holy Spirit will tell us where to go and where not to go, what to do and what not to do. And all throughout Paul's ministry, he relied on the Holy Spirit to direct him, to lead him, to guide him. And so often, I think we can just run full speed ahead with our plans and our ideas, and then we find ourselves on a road where God didn't lead us. And often we sit on that road wondering why nothing seems to be working out. Frustrated and angry with God. Assuming that God is just not faithful. Assuming that God has abandoned us and forsaken us. And we allow our faith to become shipwrecked. All because we did not listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Very often I talk with believers who are frustrated because they, they just don't know what God is leading them to do. And they feel like they're not hearing from God. You know, I think so often we all want to hear that audible voice or we want to see the flashing lights in front of us. But you know, it just doesn't usually work that way. And one of the greatest ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and leads us is by the peace or lack of peace on the inside. In Colossians 3, verse 15, it says, Let the peace of God rule your heart. And you've heard us preach this here before, that word rule. It literally means to be the umpire. What does an umpire do? He calls the shots, right? Gary and I will make the biggest decisions of our life based on whether we have peace or not. Follow the peace of God. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let him guide you in your decisions. When you're following him and involving him in your decisions, it will keep you in a place of faith. Maybe you're here today and 
you are finding yourself in a place where God didn't lead you, don't get mad at God. And don't get mad at yourself. Don't beat yourself up. That's exactly what the enemy wants. He just wants you to stay paralyzed right there. But instead, just come to God and repent and ask him how to move forward from there. And I promise you, he will show you. Second principle we're going to learn from the Apostle Paul to have faith for the long haul is to connect with people of faith. Look what he wrote in Romans chapter 1. He was writing to believers in Rome, and in verse 11, he says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Paul desired to be with people of great faith. Not so he could suck the life out of them. He wasn't looking for people who were strong in faith saying, come, minister to me, help me, pour into me. He wasn't trying to suck the life out of them, no. He realized that he could add something to them. He wanted to impart something into their lives, and he wanted to receive and be encouraged by them as well. He knew there was a giving and a receiving that's part of a faith filled relationship. He knew the power of mutual faith, and he surrounded himself with people of faith. If you read through the New Testament, you'll see so many people that his life is connected to, that he does life and ministry with so many believers. In Romans chapter 16 alone, he mentions more than 30 people that are people of faith that he is doing life with. And his relationships with all these people of faith were not a sign of weakness. They were not a sign of immaturity. It wasn't because, oh, I'm not strong enough. I need all these people around me. No, it was actually a sign of incredible maturity because he saw the true value of being connected with people of faith. There is power in that. It helps us stay strong in our faith. Now, I want to tell you this morning, isolation will set us up to become shipwrecked in our faith. We need each other. There's power in our mutual faith. If we want to have strong faith, not just for today, but for the long haul, we've got to stay connected to people of faith. Don't do life alone. And I want to ask you, if the Bridge Church is your home church, have you found your place of connection here in the church? There's so many opportunities. There's connect groups. There's bridge men. There's bridge women. There's serving teams where you can meet other people and, and just encourage each other in your faith. We need each other. Don't do life alone. Stay connected to people of faith. The third thing that we're going to learn from Paul's example is to recognize that people are not your enemy. Oh, I know. You're sitting there thinking, oh, well, you don't know the people I'm dealing with. <laughs> I might not, but <laughs> I know that the Apostle Paul faced countless people who opposed him, who ridiculed him, who beat him, who tried to kill him, but he knew that none of them were his enemies. 
He knew that his battles were not with flesh and blood. And he talks about this very subject in his second letter to the Corinthian churches. Look what he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, I walk in the flesh. Do you walk in the flesh? Do you have a fleshly body? Really? You know, first service, they weren't sure either. I see a lot of flesh and blood bodies out there. I don't know. Pinch yourself if you're not sure. But yes, the answer is yes. We walk in flesh and blood bodies, okay? Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, we all face situations in life where someone is opposing us, where someone is rude to us, where someone is hurtful to us. And we can easily tend to think that they are our enemy. And we become angry. And some of us retaliate and lash out and tell them off and run and tell others how horrible they are. Probably none of you. That was just people in first service. (laughs) Depending on our personalities, the way we're wired, maybe some people do that. Other people may hold it all inside, let it bottle up and hold on to a fence, and we let the hurt grow, and we let it fester and turn into bitterness and hatred. But you know, either way, whether it's an internal battle or an external battle, when we engage in battle against people, we always hinder our faith because we let the conflict become more exalted in our minds than God. And we think about the conflict over and over again, and we replay it over and over in our minds. We replay how it happens, how it happened, what they did to us, how badly they hurt us, how we're justified in feeling angry because we were the one who was wronged. We let it all play over and over in our minds. But Paul knew the importance of bringing all those thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And I want to talk for a minute about how we do that. Because one time I recall talking about this verse with a woman, and she said, I've been doing that, I've been doing that. I've been praying, asking God to take my thoughts captive, and it's just not working. I said, no, 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 wait a minute. It doesn't say we pray and ask God to take our thoughts captive. It says we are to take our thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of Christ. So how do we do that? Because we all get the thoughts, especially when something's difficult has happened. We get the thoughts, oh, I can't believe they did that to me. How could they do that? Oh my gosh, they're so horrible. Oh my gosh, I, oh, I just, I am a victim here. I can't believe it. I, I need to run and tell everyone. And we just, you know how it is. The thoughts just go on and on. And one thought to the next, to the next. And in the matter of three seconds, we can be in such a downward spiral. Anybody ever been there? So we've got to learn to take those thoughts captive because they will create havoc in our minds and hinder our faith. So we capture those thoughts. 
We bring them into the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? How do we do that? That means we bring them to the word. And we compare our thoughts to the word of God. Do they match up? Mm, probably not, if they're like those thoughts that I was just talking about. And so then we replace those thoughts by saying, you know what? Something hurtful did happen. But God loves me. God is with me. God is for me. And not only does God love me, but God loves that other person too, which is a hard one to swallow sometimes. But it's the truth. And then we pray, God, help me to see them as you see them. Help me to have your perspective in this situation. We bring our thoughts into the obedience of the word of God. You see, Paul knew he had control over his thoughts. And I want to tell you today, we have control over our thoughts. Our thoughts don't have to lead us all over the place and take us on emotional roller coasters. We have control over our thoughts. Paul knew his battles were not flesh and blood battles. Therefore, he knew that people were not his enemies. Paul didn't pick up offenses. He didn't hold grudges. He didn't seek revenge towards those who were opposing him. You know how I know that? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Let's look at Acts chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 19. It says, Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Okay. I want us to get this picture. They are in the city of Lystra. That's where they are. And people come from two other cities, Iconium and Antioch. And they come to Lystra and they gather people around. They gather the multitudes to stone him, to murder him. That was their intention. And once they thought he was dead, they drug him out of Lystra and left him there right outside the city as dead. But it says, the next thing that happened is that the disciples came and gathered around him. And he rose up. He was not dead. And he went back into the city. He went back into Lystra. He went back into the place where they just thought they murdered him. And he did not go back in there with an agenda for revenge. He went back into that city. And then it says the next day he went to Derby, another city, where he preached the gospel and many came to believe in Christ. Okay, if they thought he was dead, he had to be in really bad shape, right? So we would have been licking our wounds and feeling sorry for ourselves and all of that, right? But no, he's continuing his walk of faith and he's going to Derby preaching the gospel. But what I want you to see is what happens next after he's in Derby. It says, then he went to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch. He went to the place where they tried to murder him. And he went to the other two places where the people came from to try to murder him. And it tells us why he went. It says he went to strengthen their souls, encouraging them to continue in faith. Wow. He was only able to do that because he never viewed any of them as his enemies. He knew that Satan was his true enemy. 
that Satan was the one wanting to stop him and to get him to shipwreck his faith by engaging in battle against people. And Paul refused to let the enemy win. He knew his battle was not with flesh and blood. He continued his walk of faith. How many of you know it took faith to go back into the place where they tried to murder him? It took faith to go into the two cities where the people came from that tried to murder him. He didn't know what to expect when he went in there. But he continued his walk of faith, and he was able to help build and encourage the faith of others. He refused to waste time engaging in battle against people. Paul chose to believe beyond his immediate circumstances to see the bigger things that God wanted to do. He chose to see beyond his immediate pain to become part of the bigger things that God wanted to do. And he chose to see what God saw and believe for those cities and those people to be strengthened and drawn closer to God and become stronger in their faith. Paul gives us this amazing example. And shows us firsthand that no one else, no matter how badly they treat us, can shipwreck our faith. We are the only ones who can allow our faith to become shipwrecked. We all have a choice. And we all can choose, like Paul did, to have faith for the long haul. The fourth principle that we're going to see from Paul's life and example today actually comes from this same scene that we were just talking about. And that is to trust God even when we have questions. You know, Paul could have so easily questioned God. He could have said, here I am serving you and, and they're trying to murder me. They've almost killed me. Where are you, God? Don't you care? How could you let this happen? Ever had thoughts like that? I think very often when we're going through difficulties and challenges, those are the questions in our mind. This was one of numerous similar events in Paul's life where he could have easily questioned God. And you know what? Paul was flesh and blood like us. So I suspect that like us, he probably had some questions along the way. But you know what? The one thing we know is that he never allowed those questions to push him away from God. He was okay with not understanding everything. He was okay with leaving it all in God's hands. And he trusted God even with his questions. Maybe you've had questions about things that have happened along the way, things that have happened in your life. We all do. You know, we wouldn't need faith for the journey if we had all the answers. That's what faith is for. And I want to tell you, this week, we've had situation in our lives, in our family, that could bring a lot of questions. And while we were at the funeral of one family member, we received news of a very, very tragic death 
of another family member. And there's so much surrounding this situation that we will never understand. But you know what? We have to leave it in God's hands. Because it doesn't change the fact that God is God. It doesn't change the fact that God is good. It doesn't change the fact that God is faithful. Do you know there's a verse in Ecclesiastes 7, I think it's verse 1, that says, Better is the day of a man's death than the day of their birth. birth." And you know what that verse says to me? That says to me that God sees from a totally different perspective than we do. We have this small, finite, earthly perspective, but God has this huge, vast, eternal perspective. He sees a much bigger picture than we do. And if we are going to have faith for the long haul, we need to have that eternal perspective, not an earthly perspective. We may not understand everything, but you know what? It's okay. God sees a bigger picture than we do, and we can trust him completely, even when we have questions. Don't let your questions push you away from God. Let your questions draw you closer to God and choose to trust him no matter what. Let's be people who have faith for the long haul. By letting the Holy Spirit lead us. By continually connecting, staying connected with people of faith. By recognizing that people are not our enemies. Refuse to engage in battle with people. And by trusting God even when we have questions. In closing, I want us to look at one last scene from the life of Paul where we see all four of these principles at work. And we're going to see the incredible result that is produced. And this scene is found in Acts chapter 16. We're not going to take time to read it this morning, but you can go back and read through this story. But it says that Paul and Silas were led by God to go to Philippi. They let God lead them. And while they were there, they're ministering the gospel. And it says that a young slave girl who earned money for her master through fortune telling was making all kinds of distractions and interruptions to Paul's ministry. And he was getting really aggravated by that. So he cast the demon out of her. And her master was very upset about this because... There went his source of income. And so he gathers a mob to form around Paul and Silas. And they beat them severely. And then they threw them into prison. And he wanted to make sure there was no way of escape. So they threw them into the innermost dungeon. And they put their feet in the stocks so there was no way they could get out. And in the midst of that situation, Paul knew that those people were not his enemy. He didn't get mad. 
He didn't retaliate at them, and he didn't get mad at God and say, God, you led us here. How could this have happened? Instead, he let his faith rise, and he knew the power of mutual faith, and he connected his faith with Silas. And it says that they began praying and singing hymns to God. And it says that other prisoners were listening. And all of a sudden, there was a massive earthquake that shook the prison. And all the prison doors flung open. And all the chains and stocks that they were bound with fell off. They didn't just fall off of Paul and Silas. They fell off of all the prisoners. Everyone was set free as a result. And... The jailer and his entire household came to believe in the Lord. I want to tell you today, other people are always on the other side of our faith. We can't afford to let our faith become shipwrecked. Others are watching. Others are listening. We need to be people who choose to have faith for the long haul. Amen? Now, I don't know where you're at today, and, and maybe you're one that earlier on said, yeah, that's me. I feel like I'm in that place of shipwreck. I want to encourage you to let God help you move forward from that place today. Apply these truths to where you're at. Every one of us can apply these truths to our lives where we're at today to help us continually move forward, continually growing in our life of faith. I want to pray for you this morning. And as I do, I just want to ask, if you are here and you say, I want to have faith for the long haul, then I want to ask you to do something just in your own heart, in your own words. I want you to make that commitment to God, to make that determination and say, Father, I'm making a declaration right now and I refuse to allow my faith to become shipwrecked. I feel like we need to make that determination in our hearts today and choose to apply the truths of God's word to our life as we go forward day after day after day. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, and God, I just pray for each and every person in this place. You know each one by name. You know each one intimately. You know right where they're at today and what they're going through. And Father, God, I just pray that you'd meet each one right where they are. And Father, that you would help each one of us to take the next step forward in the life of faith. And then the next step and the next step, and the next step, that we would continually be people who would grow in faith, that we would choose to have faith for the long haul, that we would rise up and refuse to allow our faith to become shipwrecked. God, help us to recognize that people are on the other side of our faith. We can't afford to let our faith be shipwrecked. God, help us to live that life of faith that will draw others to you as well. Oh, Father, right now we just make that determination in our own hearts and we declare to you that we will have faith for the long haul. We thank you that you're with us every step of the way and that you help us every 
day, continue to grow in faith in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And while your heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and, and you say, yeah, that sounds great, I want to have faith all throughout my life, but maybe you haven't started that walk of faith yet. Today can be your day to start that walk of faith. Maybe you've never had your own personal relationship with Jesus. His arms are open wide to you today, and he's just saying, come, let's do this together. You don't have to do it on your own. It's time to surrender to him and to let him be Lord of your life. If you want to make that commitment to him today and dedicate your life to him and ask him to be your savior today, we are all going to pray a prayer together right now. And I want to ask you to wrap your heart around these words as we pray together. Can we all say this together? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're my father, that you sent Jesus to die for me. And right now I surrender my life to you. And I ask Jesus, to be Lord of my life. And I choose to start a life of faith today. Help me to continually grow in faith and go forward in relationship with you every day from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you made that decision today and you committed your life to Christ today, I want to tell you that is the greatest decision you can ever make, but it is just the beginning. And so we want to help you get started walking with God and walking out that life of faith and understanding relationship with God. And so we just have this little booklet called The Next Seven Days that we would love to give you as our gift to you. You can get that after service ends today. There'll be a prayer team standing down front here. You can come and talk to any of them. They'd love to give it to you. If you want prayer for anything, they'd be so happy to pray for you. Or if you're in a hurry, you can also pick one up at The Next Seven Days counter out in the foyer, but we just want to get that into your hands today. Can we welcome new family members into God's family today? Awesome. Would you give Anne a hand for that great message today? Thank you, Anne. I want to say one thing. Um, before we change the order of things in the service, that message I know speaks to everybody in this room today. We've all heard something that hit home or we've learned something that needs to be applied to our lives. I want to encourage you, before you leave the room today, just stop and make a commitment to God and say, God, show me how to apply this to my life. See, Jesus said we don't need to be just hearers of the word. We need to be hearers and then doers of the word. When we hear something that hits home, we need to apply it to our lives and learn how to walk it out. So I want to encourage you, whatever hit home today, don't leave this room until you figure out how do I apply this to my life. And just take a minute and talk to God about it, okay? Hey, I just want to share a couple things at this time in the service. This, this is the time where we stop and we give back to God and we honor God with our giving. And in just a couple of minutes, the ushers are going to come down the aisles and give you an opportunity to give. There'll be different options on the screen as to how you can give. But I just want to take just two minutes and just share with you. Uh, I just returned from a 12-day trip into Nepal and into India. 
And I had the great privilege of going some places that I never dreamed in my life I would ever be. We were about six or 7,000 feet up in the foothills, or the, I say foothills, six, 7,000 feet up in the lower mountains at the base of the Himalayas. It, I mean, I went to those places you kind of see in the Indiana Jones movies, you know, where it's like really primitive and it's like, man, you're taking a step back in time. It, it, I didn't, didn't know I was going there. But we got there, you, you go until the road ends and then you just keep going down these dirt pathways and I just want to share about the trip because I had the opportunity to preach several times, and I'll tell you about it in a minute. Uh, but every place I went, I told them, I'm here today because there's a group of people in California, in the United States of America, who love you and care about you, and they've enabled me to come and share this teaching with you. I did three men's conferences. We did two leadership conferences. And then I preached in a church on Sunday. But in 12 days, let me kind of tell you how it went. Uh, I spent two days in the air, okay? 42 hours flying time, not including the layover in the airports. 22,000 air miles. Um, when I got there, I had 24 hours to kind of adjust to the time because they're exactly 12 and a half hours different from us. So whatever it is here, they're there plus 30 minutes at the opposite time of the day. So my hours were upside down. And then we drove 400 miles throughout Nepal and India. Now, you say, well, that's not very far. You know, that's from here. That's not even all the way to San Francisco. But let me tell you about this. We drove 400 miles, but it took us 20 hours to drive 400 miles, which means it averages about 20 miles an hour. I mean, we were in a whole different part of the world. But the cool thing was I got to preach 11 times in six days. And, you know, we did these men's conferences, and probably the coolest thing that happened the whole time, I had a pastor of a, of a really decent-sized church in Nepal, Dharan, Nepal. When we were finished, he turned to me and he said, we've never had this kind of teaching for men ever. We've never had Bible teaching about marriage, about how to treat our wives. And he said to me, would you please come back to our church in our city and bring your wife and teach us how to have husband-wife relationships? And I thought, you know what? We're making a difference. We're making a difference in our world. And I just want to say that thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving. We tell you all the time, but we really are making a difference in our community and around the world. So God bless you today as you give. And as the ushers come, let me encourage you, stay in your seats until we're finished. We're almost concluded with service, but it'll help the ushers and security team as we secure the offering. God bless you as you give today. Let's watch church news together. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Nicole, and we want you to know that we are thrilled you and your family are here with us. If you are here with us for the very first time, we want to give you a special welcome and say thanks for spending your Sunday with us. We would love to meet you today and help you get connected here at the church. So take a look at church news, and let's see what's coming up at The Bridge. Then we'll be right back to tell you about how you can get involved. Connecting Point is happening next Sunday evening at 6 p.m. You might be wondering, what is Connecting Point? 
Well, if you are new to the church and you're looking to find out more about the history, vision, and heartbeat of the Bridge Church, Connecting Point is the place to come. Maybe you've been a part of the Bridge for a while now and you're ready to take your next steps and serve someone in the church. We ask everyone who wants to serve to come first to Connecting Point. Or maybe you haven't quite put your roots down yet, but you feel like it's time to say the Bridge is my home church. Connecting Point is the place for you. We want to meet you and help you take your next steps in church life. So make your plans to be here next Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Child care is provided for all kids in 5th through 5th grade. We'll also have complimentary coffee and snacks. This is a very casual evening that lasts about one hour, and we would love for you to come. Just sign up at the Connection Center before you go today so that we can plan for you. We hope to see you next Sunday evening at Connecting Point. The November edition of Bridge Men is coming up on Tuesday, November 13th. Every man is invited to join us for a powerful night of fellowship and the teaching of God's Word as we talk about pressing forward and going the distance in the life that God has called us to. The evening kicks off at 6.30 p.m. when drinks and snacks will be provided. Guys, we hope to see you here on Tuesday, November 13th at 6.30 p.m. for Man to Man. If you are here for the first time today, we would love to meet you at the Connection Center right after this service. Our team is there to welcome you, answer your questions, and give you all of the details about how you can get involved here at the Bridge. Take a few minutes to stop by and say hi before you go today. We want to do our best to help you get connected in church life. Once again, if you made a decision to follow Christ today, please come and get your free copy of the next seven days from one of our prayer teams or at the next seven days desk before you go. We want to help you take your next steps in your walk with God. For info on anything else, you can always check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Thanks again for being in church with us this Sunday. We love doing life with you. It has been great being in church with you today. We've just got a couple more things before we conclude. So if you don't mind, just remain seated. We would really appreciate it. But you know, Thanksgiving is just around the corner. And the Sunday before Thanksgiving, which is November 18th, we will be distributing 250 Thanksgiving meals through our community care program. And it's just such a, an awesome privilege to be able to do that. We do that together. And there's just several ways that you can get involved and be part of that. And I want to tell you about them today because the opportunity is today. <laughs> and then uh, we have to have time to get these things ready for the distribution. So when you exit the auditorium today, immediately on your left, you will see a table set up where you can pick up a brown paper grocery bag that has a shopping list attached to it. And if you want to take one, Please take it knowing that you are going to fill that bag with all the contents on this list. The approximate value for everything on this list is $25, and then bring it back with you next Sunday. If you prefer not to do several items, you can do one item. We have slips here that say, I commit to bringing a frozen turkey, or other ones that say, I commit to bringing a large canned ham. And if you could bring any of these items or several of these items, that would be awesome. And you can just pick that up before you leave, but here's the deal. It has to be returned next Sunday, and we're making it really easy for you. So don't bring it into church with you next Sunday. Just leave it at your rear bumper. 
of your car, okay? And a truck's going to come through during service and pick it all up for you. And then we'll have the following week to get it all put together and ready to distribute on the 18th. All right? So stop by the table before you leave today. We would so appreciate having your help with that. We do want to be a blessing to our community and those in need. And, by the way, if if you just heard what she said and if you're thinking, okay, if I do that, do I still have to have my in-laws over for Thanksgiving? (laughs) The answer is yes. You still have to do that too, okay? So this is in addition to that. Let me me share one last thing before we go. Um, Every two years on this Sunday, I have the opportunity to make everyone angry with me. And so... I just really take great joy in this Sunday. It doesn't matter what I say. Somebody is going to say, well, you didn't say enough or you said too much. So give me about two minutes. Let me say this, and then you can all walk out and practice what Ann said about not taking offense with people, okay? (laughs) This coming week, we have the opportunity to make choices about shaping our communities, our state, our nation. I have not been to all the countries of the world, but I've been a lot of places. And I'm going to tell you something. There is no place like our nation. There's no place like it. I don't care what you hear on the news. People either aren't telling the truth or they've not been there. They just don't know. We live in a country where we get to choose our representatives and we get to choose our future. We have the opportunity to vote this week. Our nation is in a culture war right now. I have, in my lifetime, I've never heard and seen so much hatefulness. In the last two years, we've seen one of our state representatives shot playing softball because of who he is and what he believes. This last week, one of the very prominent actors in Hollywood say, if we don't get our way, there's going to be blood in the streets. I'm going to tell you something. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed at where a lot of people in our nation are going with their words. It's sad. It's really sad. But this week, we have an opportunity to go to our polls to vote for the things that are going to shape our nation. And here's what I want to say to you. There's so much rhetoric today, so much being said. People are being or are choosing to vote for personalities without even noting what they're voting for. Go read your party platforms I don't preach politics. I refuse to do it. Some of you want me to. I'm not going to do it. I'm here to preach the gospel. But go read party platforms and know what people stand for. I I got home Friday night. I'm driving through our neighborhood, and there's a sign that says, Vote for this because the firemen say so. You know what? I love you, firemen, but I don't need you to tell me how to vote. I'll read the issues and figure it out for myself. I don't need your union telling me how to vote. I can read the issues for myself. Every American needs to read the issues and know what you're voting for and what you're not voting for. And here's here's the final part of this. Quit praying for a godly nation and voting for ungodliness and ungodly principles. Your prayer is your vote. Your vote is your prayer. Now, some of you say, well, I know how you're going to vote. No, you don't. You don't have any idea. You don't know. My point is know the issues and know what the Bible says about these issues because we're shaping our nation. When you go in to vote this week, take God into the polls with you. Take him into that voting place and vote according to God's word and God's will. That's all I ask you to do. Uh, Last thing, six years ago at this time, I shared a statement like this. And after church, a guy came up to me and he said, 
You shouldn't have done that. You're trying to influence the election. You got no business trying to influence people. And I told him, you know what? This is small potatoes. Every week I'm up here trying to influence people, keeping them from going to hell. This is a small thing in comparison. So all I'm saying is let's shape our nation with godliness, okay? Hey, God bless you. I love you. Forgive me for those who I've offended. Come back next week and I'll try to make you happy. God bless you. Have a great week. <laughs>